Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister announces new measures in response to the Ukraine crisis. Canada will be increasing pressure by sanctioning 160 members of the Russian Federation Council who facilitated and enabled this unjustified invasion, which brings the total of individuals connected to Putin who've been sanctioned by Canada to 964. Are NATO members doing enough to help Ukraine? We are where we are. Uh, I think NATO's response in the overall construct of the threat of nuclear war or chemical strikes by Putin and the exemplary bravery of the Ukraine people um, is about as good as it's going to get for now. And the Conservatives call for an immediate end to federal COVID mandates. It's been two years of lockdowns, two years of not being able to see their family, two years of not being able to travel, of isolation that has inflamed Canada's mental health crisis and caused great harm to Canada's vulnerable populations. It's Friday, March 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. Let's start by talking about the the NATO summit. The Prime Minister is on his way back to Canada. And uh, I think the big question people will ask is, what's the outcome of this summit? What what was decided and what's what's Canada committing to? So give us some sense of of what this summit was about and what it accomplished. So this was a remarkable meeting where leaders from, you know, allied countries were joining together to have this sort of emergency meeting at NATO, but also at the G7 and also at the European Council. So all this was happening in Brussels this week. Um, And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came out with some specific new moves uh, over the... Russian invasion of Ukraine, and so that includes sanctioning 160 members of the Russian Federation Council, so widening that circle further away from President Vladimir Putin. Canada and its allies have targeted now hundreds of organizations and Russians with ties to Putin, Um, and Trudeau's been saying, you know, more may come, and that those already in place could stay for months or even years. He says the thing about sanctions is you start to feel the impact right away, um, and then you can start to feel the impact continuing. Um, so he talked about, you know, the devaluing, for example, of the Russian ruble and the stock market troubles there as well. So he's saying that over the coming months, as that continues, that pain will only get harder and harder for the Russian economy to bear. So further ramping up the pressure on Putin. Uh, he also announced $50 million of humanitarian aid to organizations such as the World Food Program. There's been talk about a food crisis uh, because Ukraine has been called the breadbasket of Europe, right? So it's it's a lot of the, the grains um, and a lot of the supplies that the World Food Program relies on, for example, to deal with food shortages in other countries that have absolutely nothing to do with this conflict directly um, have been affected. So there's some money going there as well. Um, But, you know, this NATO meeting was also about increasing pressure on allies to finally meet um, or plan to meet this 2% of gross domestic product spending target. Um, And Canada 
as we've discussed before, is really nowhere near there. And Trudeau was frankly a little bit vague um, about whether the Liberal government does plan to meet that target. He did refer to the budget coming up, um, but we will see what that actually means. Yeah, and that's something to watch for, obviously, in the budget. But, uh, Joanna, you alluded to something there that I, I think is an important point that some experts have made as well, that sanctions don't work overnight. They have a tendency to take time, and uh, they they can apply pressure and, and have a lasting impact, obviously, but they, they do take months, not days, uh, sometimes longer. And so... I know a lot of people are wondering, is that enough at this at this moment? Uh, and I'm sure the, the people of Ukraine are wondering that as well. Is is that going to be enough to stop Vladimir Putin? Right. And I think, you know, the big elephant in the room is what Ukraine and notably its president, Vladimir Zelensky, um, have been asking for. And so he actually made quite a, an impassioned plea to NATO directly he asked for fighter jets and tanks to bolster his forces. He chastised the Allies for failing to do everything possible and voiced pretty clear frustration with a seeming lack of political will, really, from the military alliance to do more. He said in this speech, you know, 1% of all your planes, 1% of all your tanks. We can't just buy those. And when we have all this, it will give us 100% security. So... It was interesting, Trudeau was asked yesterday whether Canada would actually send uh, or buy some of these weapons for Ukraine. Um, And Trudeau said, you know, we're looking to see what we can send. Um, He also said we're committed to looking at procuring that equipment directly for the Ukrainians in other ways by working with allies and making those investments. But notably also Zelensky has been long asking NATO to close the skies and that's something that NATO has said uh, you know it's it's not going to do and then there won't be troops going into Ukraine either that closing the airspace means enforcing that right and you know if you have a no-fly zone then that means you enforce it and so if Russia violates it that means shooting down a Russian plane and then NATO is in a war with Russia so that's something that um, Zelensky has wanted and called for, and now he's also calling for weapons, so we'll see where, where that leads. But clearly we're seeing um, frustration, and yet we're also seeing NATO saying, you know, clearly grappling with the fact that there is a threat of nuclear warfare here and use of chemical weapons by Russia, and they need to make those really difficult choices. Yeah. All right, we'll continue to watch that, obviously, and see the aftermath of that, Joanna. Let's turn to some domestic issues. And uh, obviously, this week's other big story was the the deal that was struck between the Liberals and the NDP. And I know you've been looking closely at the aftermath of that and what it all means and and what it in particular, one of the centerpieces of the deal, of course, is the, the prospect of some type of dental care program for Canadians. What have you been hearing about that? I find that a really interesting one, um, not just because it's really the most tangible and immediate thing coming. You know, there's been suggestions this will be in the budget, but this was a marquee NDP promise, not a liberal one. You know, there had been overlap before on on the national pharmacare program promise, for example, but dental care was always very much an NDP election promise. Um, and the NDP is the party that's done the policy work on it, but it's the Liberal government that will end up being the one in charge of implementing it. So 
The Liberals did promise the NDP they would start to phase in a dental care program this year as part of this new confidence and supply agreement. Um, and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, he told us yesterday that he really expects the federal government's new dental plan to reflect his party's original vision for it. Um, but, you know, what the Liberals actually put in the budget and ultimately implement remains to be seen. So there were some details in the agreement um, in terms of who it will target first. That's children under 12, um, then expand later on to those under 18, seniors and people living with disabilities. Um, but there's really some room to maneuver here. So Singh is talking about a federal standalone program that would offer coverage to all those people who do not already have it. Um, but exactly what that looks like, I mean, maybe is it a new federal program or is it giving more money to the provinces so they can boost up the programs that already exist. There are already some publicly funded dental care programs for low and middle income Canadians. And that's something the Canadian Dental Association has been pushing for. Um, it's already been having, it's already had a meeting with the federal health minister's office this week. Um, they say the infrastructure already exists at the provincial level. So they'd rather add more money and make that sustainable rather than coming up with a whole new program and adding another layer to a patchwork system that exists across the country. So mm. It'll be really interesting to see how this develops out because it, it was NDP idea and now, you know, I don't, NDP has not held federal government before, right? So now we're actually going to see this very NDP idea become a reality. So it'll be really interesting to see the um, policy discussions and what they decide with and perhaps some unintended consequences and other complicating factors to this plan. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for that breakdown. Um, and finally, Joanna, the federal conservatives are asking the government to put an end immediately to all federal mandates related to uh, COVID-19. And it's, it's kind of an interesting position to take. I know that it, it will be popular with a lot of people who, who want to see those mandates ended. Uh, but it's worth pointing out that most of, of, the, of the rules that influence our lives on a day-to-day -day basis are actually provincial rules and, and are provincial jurisdiction, not federal jurisdiction. So what does this all mean and, and how, how close are we to that day anyway? So this was a, a motion that Conservative MP Michael Barrett put forward, an opposition motion in the House of Commons. Um, and he was arguing, you know, that Canada already has now one of the world's highest vaccination rates that every province has either already lifted or has a plan to lift the COVID vaccine uh, mandates. And so it's time to do so, they said, to protect jobs, the federally regulated employees, allow Canadians to travel unimpeded. Um, now, of course, that was the language of the motion, but it's also really what they're talking about here is protecting the jobs of federally regulated employees who did not get vaccinated, allow Canadians who are not vaccinated to travel unimpeded, right? So, so there are many restrictions that have been lifted already, um, but they do remain in place in some areas for people who have not been vaccinated. So that motion was defeated um, last night in the House of Commons. The Conservatives voted for it. Uh, everyone else voted against it, except for Liberal MP Joel Lightbound. Actually, he did vote with the Conservatives for it. You may remember that he had during the truckers' convoy, laid out his concerns about the effect of the vaccine mandates we're having and, and, and you know, argued the Liberal government was maybe politicizing public health policy and, and he asked for a plan. So 
So that was defeated, but I think I think a lot of people still have the question about when these are going to lift. Um, and we did hear Canada's chief public health officer recently, Dr. Teresa Tam, say that Ottawa is reviewing its vaccine mandates for both travelers and federal workers with an eye to dropping them, um, but gave the caveat that the resurgence of COVID-19 cases around the world could, in fact, delay that plan. All right. Great stuff, Joanna. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. The agreement uh, with uh, the NDP is very much about delivering on specific things for Canadians. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the line, Ken Bosenkuhl argues the deal between the Liberals and the NDP has serious implications for the Conservatives. Bosenkuhl writes, The current deal means that while Liberals can continue to win and govern with minority governments, Conservatives can only hope to govern with a majority. Conservatives can either whine about that fact or deal with it. Dealing with it means policies and a leader who can expand their coalition and grow their vote. If Conservatives just focus on issues that make Conservatives feel good, Canada will be governed for a very long time by the Liberals and the NDP, possibly joined by the Bloc, who this week made a deal to make Canada a much less conservative country. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Wacom argues the Liberal-NDP accord is fundamentally meaningless. Wacom writes, It is vague in content, effectively unenforceable, and will not necessarily protect the Liberal minority government from defeat in the Commons. It does not commit that government to fully implement new social programs like Pharmacare that the NDP wants. The centerpiece of the accord, its proposed new Denticare program, is fatally flawed. The governing Liberals will find it convenient to have the guaranteed support of Jagmeet Singh's NDP, but what will the NDP get as the price for its support? The deal imposes few conditions on the NDP and fewer still on the Liberals. It gives both parties something to talk about, but not much else. At iPolitics, Alan Freeman argues bribing taxpayers with their own money is a Canadian tradition. Freeman writes, In Ontario, the cash will come in the form of checks in the mail, as Doug Ford refunds drivers $1 billion in licensing fees. In Alberta, there's a discount on gasoline at the pump, courtesy of Jason Kenney. Quebec will shower 6.4 million residents with $500 each. And where did they get their inspiration? Perhaps from Justin Trudeau. In last year's budget, the Prime Minister included a $500 one-time top-up for old-age pensioners aged 75 and over, ostensibly for pandemic costs, no questions asked. The money went out in August, and the Liberals won the election in September. It worked. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will return to Ottawa, and Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in private meetings. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, March 25th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.